I'm Austin, and this is Validated. Today I'm speaking with Chris Osborne, founder and CEO of Dialect, a Web3 messaging protocol built on Solana. Dialect's smart messaging stack offers features such as dynamic, composable dApp notifications, wallet-to-wallet chat, and the ability to mint and trade chat stickers as NFTs. Dialect is one of the handful of crypto companies building with a mobile-first mindset. According to Chris, when the next bull run comes, it's mobile that will be leading the next wave of adoption and activity. With over 5 billion smartphone users around the globe, I think it's a pretty solid bet. If we are on the verge of Web3's mobile breakout moment, what took us so long? It's not like conversations about crypto and mobile are new. We consider this question from a number of perspectives, technology, UX, and maybe most significantly, cultural paradigms around how we use mobile. We also discuss the role Web3 native smartphones like Saga will play in mass adoption. For crypto users and developers alike, there are a lot of advantages for Web3 applications running on your phone, not in the browser. Chris gives us a peek behind the curtain to see what it's like getting Web3 applications approved by traditional distributors like the App Store. And as you may have guessed, it's kind of a nightmare. Apps like Dialect are just starting to scratch the surface of what's possible when mobile and crypto collide. And I think we very well may look back on 2023 and see it as the year that crypto finally went mobile. Chris, welcome to Validated. Austin, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you guys today. I think one of the pieces that's going to be interesting here is like, I want to get into the evolution of mobile. Why 12 years into crypto, there's basically still zero mobile. Um, But you guys have obviously made a big bet on that being a future product category that makes a ton of sense. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the Solana mobile stack and the sort of activities that many chains are doing pushing into mobile software and stuff. But I want to kind of start out with how did you get into this crazy, wacky world of crypto? And what inspired you to break into the space with a product like Dialect? Yeah, I can give a very brief background on myself. My background's in physics. I did my PhD in atomic physics. So this is like precision measurement of atoms using light to study atoms, atoms to study light for timekeeping and all kinds of other purposes, but also quantum computing. I learned in grad school that I really love to write software and build products. So after grad school, I split the difference and went to Rigetti Computing, which is a quantum computing startup. Ended up leading one of the three teams that launched Quantum Cloud Services, which was like AWS for quantum computing at the time. And uh, that really gave me the startup bug of like getting into building and the entrepreneurial spirit. So left Rigetti founded this company actually pre-crypto and ended up doing YC on like a totally different idea. What was that original idea? It was like GitHub for your finances. So it was kind of like in the retail investing space. Yeah. And it was very fun. We had a great Hacker News launch. But as Paul Graham always says, there's that like first activation and then the trough of sorrow where you're trying to like actually retain your users. And around that time, I had known about Solana for about a year. So summer of 2021, I was seeing the explosion of incredible projects in the Solana ecosystem. And by early fall, decided to pivot the business fully into Solana. So the rest is history. And that's when we got started on Dialect. So about a year and a half ago. Love it. So Dialect is a Web3 messaging and notification protocol. It lets you do a lot of neat things like collect NFT stickers and execute smart contracts through chat. And we'll get into those specifics. First, I want to step back and contextualize this conversation within the broader history of mobile. If we're talking about the original mobile revolution, you know, the early days of the iPhone and Android really taking off as mainstream platforms for consumers, it was as much a technology revolution with new hardware and new formats as it was a usability revolution, new software paradigms about how to interact with hardware. You can't have something like Tinder without something like the iPhone. You needed a camera, you needed multi-touch, you needed an app store. Using Tinder on a web browser just would have been a very weird experience, especially in, say, 2010. But crypto doesn't have a technology revolution going into mobile for the most part. At least I wouldn't say. I'd say that we've been sort of promised that mobile's coming by various projects for the last six years. Um, Really, since the start of Ethereum, there are people who are like, oh, you'll be able to run a node on your phone. You'll be able to transact on your phone. You'll be able, and there there were whole blockchain layer ones started with the idea that they were going to be a mobile first X, Y, or Z. And none of that worked or caught on. Like if you look at the data today, you know, it's over 80% of transactions are still initiated from a desktop class web browser. So 
two questions here. One, why do you think it is that way? And why has it taken so long for anything to potentially start to change that paradigm? It's an excellent question. And I think there's so one very deep question. And we've spent a lot of time at Dialect. And I myself personally have thought quite a bit about this based on the strategic decisions we've made. Uh, I think it's multifaceted. And rewinding a little bit to a couple of the things you mentioned before about how, like, for example, Tinder couldn't exist without these like sort of basic pieces that needed to come together in phone hardware. Uh, obviously, like Uber is the classic example there. Like suddenly you've got GPS technology and capabilities in a phone, and now you can right. create this this rideshare economy. Yeah, it's like imagine sending everyone a pager. Like there's no way Uber would have been a <laughs> right, scalable exactly. business. So there's no question at all, and it, it's like it's worth stating because it's such a profound and simple concept. But I think there's no question at all that the hardware and the technology that we make available goes hand in hand with the kinds of applications and the kinds of like human computer interface designs that come out of it. And to answer your question about crypto, we've spent some time thinking about this. I think the answer I would give here is um, we're exploring some really sort of like profound new user experience concepts in crypto that are both a boon and like an incredible new design space, as well as, and I wouldn't say a burden, but sort of like there are things you are able to do really easily on web and on desktop that are not quite there yet on mobile. So take, for example, wallet authentication. The actual reason I got into crypto, I mean, like I learned about proof of work in 2011, um, blew my mind, like top 10 most impactful concepts that I've ever learned in my life. But from a practical, like, I want to build in crypto, one, it was like speed, cost, and scale of Solana, where it's like, okay, now it's time. Like, we can really build for consumers. But the kind of like, uh, I like to say the nerd snipe concept was wallet authentication, which is this really extraordinary new primitive for how we like custody and uh, custody our, our assets, what we own in our digital lives, and prove who we are on the internet. And it's a extremely powerful new primitive before wallets is really like, do you have access to an email inbox is kind of like how you prove ownership on the on the internet. Um, and obviously with usernames and passwords and all that. And this kind of interoperability, the fact that you have this universal identity layer is this amazing new toolkit at our disposal. But on web, it operates through the Chrome extension. So pretty dominantly, the way that we sign into or sign up to products in crypto is through a Connect Wallet Chrome extension, kind of like a pop-up. And the same thing doesn't quite exist in mobile. Right. And so a, a very big part of this is like as a developer, um, and I, like let's say I'm a Web3 developer and I'm thinking about building for mobile, there's only, only so much like work that we can do at any given time to help design a better experience. So I would argue over the last six years or so, we've been still trying to figure out web um, this new authentication model is just really complex, as much technical as it is kind of user experience um, design space. And on mobile, we don't really have the same primitives. Obviously, there's deep linking. And, and with dialect, we actually do, we have implemented some deep linking between dialect itself and let's say Phantom or some other mobile wallet. But the same rails don't quite exist. And um, while we're still trying to get our heads around exactly what that user experience should be like, mobile just has less of the kind of like standards that we can use in web. And the last point I would make here about why I don't think this has been adopted yet is, let's say you're working hard to find that intuitive user experience, and then you submit your first build to the App Store, and the App Store rejects it and says, yeah. we have issues with certain kinds of technology that you're working on. So combining the fact that it's so hard to create intuitive user experiences together with by the time you ship this thing to the App Store, it may not even get accepted. I think there's just been too many barriers to figure out historically, like too many conceptual and design, and then let's say like compliance or App Store regulation barriers. It's interesting. Yeah. So I guess there's a few things to, well, there's a lot to dig into here. One of the pieces is you mentioned that sort of the scale and power of a network like Solana is sort of necessary here. I kind of want to get into why you think that's the case, because there is this sort of assumption that people want to do high value work on the desktop and that mobile is inherently a lower value system. I don't think there's very many people in the early days of the internet who felt comfortable booking an international flight on the website. They called the they called Delta or whatever they called, you know, their their travel agent and then they 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 booked high value items and slowly there's a value chain that moves down there and now like we're 
very comfortable booking anything on a desktop browser. Mobiles may be a little less. Do you think that, first off, do you think that's accurate? That there, there is some sort of idea that like, oh, I will, I, you know, if I'm going to eTrade.com, I'm going to be buying thousands of dollars of stock. But if I'm buying like 15 bucks of Tesla, I can do that on Robinhood. Yeah, that's, I, I think, an excellent metaphor. And I would say probably if you look at the last several years of crypto, a lot of the early breakout application like use cases are around these more serious kind of, let's say, like DeFi trading and maybe more power user style NFT trading and collecting. There's no question about that. If you look at a lot of the experiences, though, that you do in these spaces, there's often at the very least a satellite experience that happens on mobile. And that might be notifications that tell you that there's something that's available that you need to act on. And so it might be in the form of notifications or just kind of like there's this very complex relationship between kind of like how we live our lives on desktop and how we live them on mobile. And I would actually say it's also kind of like culture and country specific. Living yeah. in the United States, I spend a fair amount of time on my desktop computer because I sit down to my desktop when I sit down to work every day. And now all these things that I might also do on mobile, I'm now also uh, I can do on desktop. So right. there's usually I think like a really tight complex relationship between the two. I would also add through these multiple waves of crypto adoption that we've seen so far, I think we're moving more and more toward consumer. So during the next breakout wave for for crypto, one of the things I'm most excited to see is genuine kind of like consumer mobile experiences. Whereas historically, I think you're absolutely right. There's been these like more um, heavy duty, more say prosumer or professional trader experiences to date. Yeah, you know, you, you were talking about sort of this idea that things live in a Chrome extension. And it sort of is like the, the Chrome extension and the desktop browser is sort of the last bastion of this idea of the open web that almost everything you engage with on your mobile phone is siloed into applications that are installed on the phone, or even if they're going through the web browser, Safari on iOS just got extensions like a few months ago, let alone like all the space where the mobile web browser is still not as powerful as the desktop class web browser even today. And I think it's really interesting that sort of there's this idea that Web3 is somehow less accessible or it's like it's open, but it's open in a different way. And, and the kind of funny thing is the paradigm of how Web3 is built is kind of the paradigm of how software in like the early 2000s is built. Obviously a very different technology stack, but this idea that like anything can interface with anything else and that you, you're building with this sort of very open ecosystem and the rest of the world has sort of moved away from that model. Crypto is kind of one of the last holdouts of this like very like early 2000s idea of how the internet should be built. Yeah, and I think in some ways, hopefully we can come back to a little bit of that. With wallet authentication, like I said, this was the concept that really practically got me so excited about building that in any environment anywhere, you can prove who you are on this universal user table. So you're absolutely right that that the, especially with native mobile apps, we live in kind of like a more siloed and more sequestered internet. Um, and digital experience than ever. The web is sort of like desktop web is a more open experience. That said, there is a kind of um, at your fingertips experience that I think is inescapable with mobile that can combine really powerfully with this concept of interoperability. And the reason I say that is so for example, with dialect, we're building a messaging experience. And one of the things that we've built is this thing called the smart message. And the smart message, like smart messages let you interact and execute any smart contract directly from the message, like one tap signing experience. And the right way to think about that is like in web two, you know, you get a text from your bank telling you your credit statement is due and you say, okay, well, like, you know, I'll tap the link and then you'd get taken to an embedded browser and you're not logged in there. And so you can't take the action right then. Maybe you just like don't have the mobile app. So you say six hours from now when I'm back at my computer, I'll take care of this. A huge part of the internet is like taking action on calls to action that come over some messaging medium. Yes. And the reason we're so excited about mobile and to, to finish this thought on kind of like the power of things being at your fingertips combined with the interoperability of Web3 is protocols can send notifications, users can share links to different resources on the internet together in dialect. And if that 
protocol has enabled smart messaging, it will unfurl to a link preview that actually has the button to take action right on the message. And so in that mobile environment, there's still this incredible power where like, no matter what app you happen to be siloed in, you can still take action and execute any smart contract or really click, effectively click any button on the Web3 internet directly from the message. And we're insanely excited about that potential. And that's a very big reason why we chose to build mobile is because mobile's already essential. We see it as an absolute essential requirement during this next bull run in crypto when we get there we really think it's going to be breakout consumer experiences and social and and um more of a mobile experience that's all necessary for mobile uh, or mobile is necessary for all of that right but in addition to that we think web3 can take it to this new place where you actually like don't need to hop between apps you can just take action right from whatever experience you're in and there's this deep interoperability we're insanely excited about that yeah, it's interesting because I think one of the first times I saw Dialect do is as a Chrome extension. And it was like, oh, this is clunky. Like, they're not not the product, but the idea that I'm going to look for a notification icon in the top right of my browser, and then I'm going to pop open a thing, and that's where that experience is going to live. It felt very difficult to sort of look at that and see like, oh, I see where this is this is kind of going. So I guess like walk me through a little bit of like, was mobile always the plan with dialect or was that something that sort of you saw emerge when there was changes in the technology stack that made it possible to do? Yeah, actually. So there's maybe two points here. Mobile was always the plan, but you're right. I could probably date when you first tried dialect according to sort of like your gut take on the experience. We launched a little bit uh, about a year ago, early March of 2022 as open source developer tools around messaging, specifically around notifications. And so we saw this as the kind of like get integrated into a DAP. You can be a little notification bell in the nav bar, just like you were saying on a website. And when a user taps that, they can like opt in directly to start receiving notifications, either by email, text message, um, but most importantly and most interestingly to us through the dialect messaging protocol. So in the same way that a business owns an email address and uses that to send notifications, timely alerts, offers, and whatnot to its customers, a DAP would own a messaging key pair that they then use to send these these trusted messages to users. Yeah. Um, we had no question that mobile was the plan. And the reason we supported email and text message for these notifications is because that can actually arrive as like a notification on the lock screen of your phone, which to us is absolutely necessary 100%. for that kind of like engagement retention. Like that's the whole purpose. But the dream has always been a great mobile experience. And the real shift for us actually happened last June at the Saga announcement event. So I think in New York City, the Solana team unveiled its plans to build Saga, the mobile phone. And we were looking at that together with um, we've had we had had a ton of success integrating into projects across the Solana ecosystem. But still, the only way you could really get dialect messages on mobile was to get like an email or a text. And you right. can't do smart messaging. You can't do these other incredible, really uniquely Web3 things that make Web3 messaging really delightful and interesting and revolutionary. Couldn't do that over email or text. And so we said to ourselves, we either get integrated into a great mobile product or we go and build it ourselves. And the reason we chose to launch Dialect, the mobile app, which we did at the end of this year, a few months ago, was because we saw this opportunity to lean in and create rapidly iterating, following user feedback to create that incredible, delightful, really great consumer experience. But the catalyst for us was Saga. Um, It was the Saga event. We said to ourselves, you know what? It would be such a loss not to build for the Solana mobile stack, not to build for Saga. And that was kind of a forcing function for us to say, let's just lean in, let's build a great consumer experience, let's continue to support our developer tooling and make our tools available for anyone else who wants to integrate messaging or send and receive messages through our our network. But creating and, and shipping that delightful experience was instigated by Saga. It's so interesting because there's like many different problems. And I want to get to the App Store one eventually because that's a big hairy one. I'm sure we'll spend a ton of time digging into. But what about Saga and what about the Solana mobile stack? And for those who aren't familiar, this is a an open source framework that bolts on to Android that enables a whole series of, of pieces of mobile development that are hard to do otherwise for some types of applications. Looking at Dialect, I actually would not have thought that this is something that required something like the Solana mobile stack 
to be viable on a mobile device. So so I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, what about the Saga event and the launch of the Solana mobile stack was something that made you guys go from this is somewhere on the roadmap to this is the next thing on the roadmap? Yeah, I think the quick answer there is just the opportunity to showcase what we think Web3 messaging can be at its yeah. best. Um, and that means leaning in and kind of owning that end consumer experience. That was the number one thing. But the number two, to answer your question about like, uh, does Dialect need to be on Saga? We are live today on iOS and Android and have a user onboarding experience that we have obsessed over. And we're seeing folks inviting their kids, um, like whether they're high schoolers or their parents um, who've never tried Web3 before and are trying sort of like Web3 crypto, their first experience with true digital ownership and self-custody through dialect on iOS, on Android and Google Play, and then very soon, and we're very excited about this, on Saga. And so the answer is there are quite a few different things you can do in dialect mobile. And for example, on iOS, we hold the key for you. So we're kind of like a software wallet. And so we've made this seamless onboarding where a user doesn't have to have ever heard of crypto before, never have like KYC through Coinbase or Binance. Yep. And they can get into dialect um, and try things out. And maybe we can talk a little bit later about how we um, give them their first taste of true digital ownership with state compression and some of these other techniques. But the main thing here is we like we're a software wallet on iOS and we have your keys there and we've built this experience around approving transactions, signing, um, keeping things as secure as possible and making sure they never leave your phone. The problem is that's kind of like hurts the ability to do truly interoperable things. And so if we look at, you know, your average uh, experienced crypto user today, they probably have multiple wallets, including a ledger. And that's a much harder experience on, say, iOS than it could be on Saga, where like the actual wallets themselves are on the phone and the secure seed vault is on the phone. And so we see this as like a security and privacy trade-off. Saga really is the future, um, or s- security and user experience. We see this as a security um, and user experience trade-off. And Saga it re- operates at that sweet spot where you can have really best-in-class self-custody and security. And then an operating system level experience of being able to sign transactions, approve, interact with products seamlessly. And so we've taken quite a bit of a compromise building for iOS on the user experience side. Interesting. And have like multiple layers of other things. I'll, I'll spare you the details, but um, users We're here for the details, their- though. Because this is actually part of what I think is really interesting. Like the smart messaging system you talked about and the whole connection and interplay here, you basically need to have the wallet that you're signing, quote unquote, important transactions with Mm -hmm. connected into dialect in some manner. So how have you thought about that? Is there sort of like the dialect, quote unquote, hot wallet, and then the ability to like connect in a ledger or something like that. Like, let's let this is the show where we can get. Yeah, into that's that exactly kind of right. I, I love that you want to get into the details. Let's we would love to describe that. So on iOS today, and this is a feature that is actually already approved to the App Store, and we're uh, resolving a couple infrastructure things right now. We've introduced the concept of linking wallets. And so when you sign up for Dialect, yes, you can import any private key or seed phrase from if you're a power user and you have something that you want to use from that experience. Obviously, we would never recommend you do that with an actual ledger wallet. Um, But if you have a hot wallet, that's kind of like where you do your thing and you want to bring that in, you can. Otherwise, we generate a new seed phrase for you on the spot and you get your keys out of the box. Super easy. And we like to think of this as your messaging wallet. And I actually, I'm a firm believer that in the future, more and more, we will have a more heterogeneous set of wallets. Um, Sort of like putting everything into one wallet, I think is just a sign of how the sort of user experience around wallets today. But we're excited that there can be many different kinds of wallets for many different purposes. So we're kicking that off in dialect by saying, this is your messaging wallet, treat it as like an extra hot wallet, meaning this is like one where the goal is to have fun and do social things and kind of like dabble a little bit in crypto and send and receive messages. It is not to like do really intensive DeFi or hold your most valuable NFTs. Right. However, 
a big part of your social experience might be around those assets that you have. So maybe you're in a trading group and you want to have your group chat on dialect so that you can kind of like execute and do things as a group directly from smart messages. Or I think a little more tangible and consumer is I own a bunch of NFTs from some of my favorite projects and they've got token gated chats on dialect. Let's say I have a very expensive NFT. It's likely that community is one of the ones I'm most engaged with. And so I'm actually going to want to link up and show to Dialect that I own that NFT so I can get into this chat and do fun and interesting things without compromising on security. And so with Dialect, what we've done is we've introduced the concept of, of a linked wallet. And a linked wallet, we don't have any knowledge of your key pairs. We never see any of that. We basically, like when you go to link a wallet in Dialect, it opens a camera and it says, go to this website, that's Dialect. Use the normal Chrome extension Connect Wallet, connect your ledger or anything else that you want in an environment where now, like just like the rest of the Web3 internet, you will never expose your private keys. It's fully yep. safe and secure. And then you sign a message, which, you know, for the audience, signing messages is just proof of ownership. It's not actually submitting any transactions to the blockchain. It generates a QR code. You scan it with your phone and boom, now dialect, you've got this like multi-wallet linked wallet experience in dialect and now your profile not only shows you the kind of assets that you have um in your messaging wallet but it brings this unified experience and it might pull in some of your high value pfps that are uh in this ledger wallet so fully secure um really safe experience and now you can go and engage with the community there and let's say an, a user wants to make a smart message offer and say hey i would like to buy this nft from you would you be willing to sell it this is all powered um, and possible in, in the near future through smart messages you would then be able to sign and it would again it would say okay you're trying to sign on behalf of a hardware wallet it's going to pull up this qr code scanner and say go back to the website and scan this thing and like sign you know approve the transaction with your ledger and that that experience is in development you can probably imagine it's fairly complex here yeah and the basically like the pulling this full circle on saga at the operating system level and at the hardware level you have secure key custody and a seamless signing experience and all of that is just a better experience on saga right where you can maintain a lot of the security and also have this rich multi-wallet experience and so as we design more and more today, dialect on iOS is very similar to dialect on Saga. That is about to not be true because of these improvements to the user experience that exist on Saga. And obviously also because of what can and cannot be or is likely to or likely not to be accepted by the Apple App Store. Yeah, so let's let's get into that. What are the sort of things that iOS, either from a technical or policy standpoint, won't let you build? At a high level, I think there's two challenges. First and foremost, I would say I think exactly what is allowed on these major app distribution platforms such as Apple is a bit of an unknown and a moving target. And yeah. so I'll just disclaim or set the disclaimer that that a lot of what I'm about to describe is what we've learned from experience and is not necessarily like exactly what will or will not be approved. I think part of the challenge here actually is like a meta point is um, not really knowing exactly what can be allowed and what can't. But in short, I would say there's two things. Independent of Web3, Apple has an in-app purchasing system that they require applications to use in order to do either premium features, in-app commerce, similar things. They have a, a, a certain cut that they take on all uh, like commerce that happens through apps. And so if you want to do crypto commerce, which is very yep. interestingly and really revolutionary, it's like this decentralized economy and decentralized commerce. At the very least, Apple is looking for projects. If you offer ways for users to make purchases in-app, then you need to run on Apple's in-app purchasing rails. Yes. Second to that, there's also in general a bit of uncertainty around just crypto generally speaking. And so I will say right now at Dialect at this time, it is not clear to us that if we did find a very clean and harmonious user experience to allow users to do mm. crypto while also using Apple's in-app purchasing infrastructure and in-app commerce infrastructure, it's not clear to us that that would get accepted, even if we did work through that. So I think generally, and I think this is well known by the crypto community that there's a little bit of like a 
some drama and kind of this sense that the major app stores are not crypto friendly. And so it's been a major hurdle and navigation for dialect to build. So one, it's already hard enough to build great consumer experiences in Web3. As we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, like a big part of what we're doing in crypto is trying to find out what that great design is, that human um, computer interface experience is like totally different in Web3. Add the complexity of like what will the major app stores allow? And and it gets <laughs> it gets quite a bit more challenging. <laughs> um, but it's really at a high level, it's those two things. So, you know, Solana Labs has their whole initiative that they've launched, the Solana Mobile Stack, which includes things like a Seed Vault, which is a place where you can securely store private keys on the phone. You talked about a whole bunch of APIs for interfacing on. Because you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're interested in staying on top of the latest trends, news, and more. So I want to tell you about another show. It's called Web3 with A6NC Crypto but it's really about the future of the internet, future of creators, future of business, future of the way we work and live. It's for anyone seeking to understand the latest tech trends direct from experts with high insights per minute, given your time and attention are so valuable. Follow Web3 with A6NC in your podcast app now. How to actually talk to that seed vault and how to talk to RPC servers, and then also this decentralized app store. And that's kind of where that policy piece comes in. When we're looking at kind of like the App Store policies, it seems like Apple has taken a bit of more of aggressive stance than Google has on this stuff. But there's still a bunch of reasons why something like this probably wouldn't get through the Play Store as well, right? I believe that's right. We, generally speaking, invest more time and energy negotiating and working with the reviewers and the teams at Apple than we do at Google. But generally speaking, and, and this might be like our style at Dialect, we ship quickly and we experiment and we iterate and we're kind of learning empirically what is allowed and what is not allowed. There's obviously plenty written by all the major platforms, or really I should just say at the iOS App Store and Google Play right. um, around what they will and will not accept. But we found a little bit of gray area, so we tend to just ship experimentally, find out what happens um, negotiate. And we've had to do relatively little negotiation to date with Google Play. Um, mm. But we also are only just beginning to turn on some of these really rich Web3 native experiences with smart messages. You know, our app's only been in the App Store for a couple months now. And then we are also doing kind of like a new kind of NFT category with uh, chat stickers, NFT chat stickers. And so there's like, users are just beginning to trade. And this is commerce. And it's its its own kind of like, you know, there you could think of them as like premium purchases and dialect, but it's really just right. trading NFT chat stickers. So exploring that as we go and um, feeling more and more that like, as these features get richer, Saga will be the environment where we can really lean in and just ace the user experience, really get it right and learn how consumers want to engage with crypto. And um, we'll do best effort on these other platforms. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, one of the things about dialect is the messages aren't all on chain, right? It's that's it's, right. Uh, and, and so from that perspective, I'm sort of trying to understand Apple's hesitancy around something like dialect, because on the base of it, even if they have a anti-crypto stance in some ways, you're really only using crypto at this point as the identity layer. And then in that case, it's it's not much different than signing into Twitter with my Twitter account, right? Yeah, I, I think the answer here is it's the messaging layer is not really the challenge. The way we talk about dialect these days is we are a wallet chat and Web3 content platform. And so at a high level strategically with dialect, our attitude is that messaging alone is not enough to really differentiate Web3 messaging from Web2 messaging. It needs to provide differentiated value, and we need to create experiences that are not possible in Web2. The smart message is an example of that, where now I can execute protocols or really execute any button on the Web3 internet directly from a message. That's a kind of content and it's also a kind of in-app experience where like, especially if it's some kind of purchase, now it's technically an in-app purchase. And then obviously the other aspect of the content here is, is um, we're creating a lot of chat native, rich Web3 content 
NFT chat stickers are one example. They're NFTs like any other, but they're animated, they're expressive, and if you have them in your wallet, you can use them in chat. And users can trade and transfer, do all this kind of stuff. You're absolutely right that the messaging layer itself is no longer on-chain. When we launched a year ago, it was a fully on-chain protocol, and we learned pretty quickly that the bar for like consumer messaging is insanely high, like <laughs> insanely high. And so... The way, the way we think about Web3 messaging is we will decentralize it over time as we find product market fit and create those like, why would I even want to message in Web3? And we think we're well on our way on that journey, but we have a long way to go. And as, say, you know, decentralized infrastructure, decentralized data storage solutions get more and more sophisticated, lower cost, all of that will probably decentralize again over time. But I think the main, the App Store kind of concerns that they have is thinking of Dialect as a Web3 content platform where you can actually like have sort of all of Web3 at your fingertips through smart messages and other kinds of, of rich Web3 experiences. That's where most of the challenge is. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so I want to talk that's a little right. bit about some of the other tech stack here. So one of the big things that has come up on Solana in the last few weeks is uh, state compression. And state compression is this uh, really interesting way of basically fitting more data into less space on chain, which has the effect of dramatically reducing the cost of something like minting NFTs or sending a transaction. The The NFT cost reduction is about 26,000x, um, which is, you know, pretty interesting. I, I'm a big believer personally that step changes in cost function drive innovation more than anything else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That like when you get 3G internet for the price of 2G internet, suddenly the mobile phone revolution kicks off. When you get DSL That's for right. the price of 56K modems, the web the web one internet kicks off. So I want to hear a little bit about how Dialect is using this and sort of what some of like, do, do you agree with that assessment that this is sort of something that has the ability to unlock a ton of stuff? And, and if so, what are the kinds of things that you're thinking about now that maybe you weren't thinking about when it costs 12 cents to mint an NFT? Yeah. So to answer your first question about do we see this as a like a revolutionary unlock? The answer is absolutely yes. Like, you know, investors, when they're looking at new technology, they say, is there a 10x anywhere in what you're doing? If yes, then go for it. This could be a billion dollar idea. And you just mentioned like up to like 10 to the four, 10 to the five, like 26,000 is just an enormous change. And uh, we are absolutely using this technology at Dialect. The other kind of interesting thing about how we feel this relates to mobile is you mentioned right at the top of the conversation, this question of like, historically, crypto has been around kind of doing expensive or high value things. And it's not uncommon that you want to kind of like sit down at a computer to do that kind of stuff. We see state compression and some of the things that are being built by Solana as really nicely timed and lines up nicely with this mobile adoption of being able to do more consumer and more abundant style things. So Maybe to get very concrete, um, yeah. Dialect, I, I've mentioned a, a, a few minutes ago, so we're a messaging platform. One of the most fun things on the major Web2 platforms are chat stickers. It's been an explosive tool for adoption in Web2 messaging. I think between projects like uh, or apps like Telegram, WhatsApp, WeChat, Line, Kakao, I, I think it, it, it's any individual uh, messaging platform like Line, I think makes hundreds of millions in revenue off of chat stickers every year in Web2. And I think they're, uh, I'm forgetting the exact number of artists who make chat stickers, but it's just an enormous industry that we almost, we use every day, but we never really think about as an industry. And and the, the top earners, the top artists really make, I think they make millions in revenue. And we believe that if you make those truly ownable digital collectibles, so we've at Dialect, we've made NFT chat stickers. That's the thing that we're doing now. We think it takes the collector's experience to a whole new level. And I'm, I'm not going to try to describe to you, and I also imagine I'm preaching to the choir here, Austin, on really what true digital ownership does for the psychology of like my engagement on the internet and the things that I own in my digital life. Um, chat stickers are just like ripe territory for that. No, 100%. And this is something that we were, when we had uh, Black Dave, who's a Web3 native musician on a few months ago, this was like oh, one of the, that. yeah, one of the very strange things is Web3 is pretty much the only place that you own anything anymore. That the default yes. for everything you interact with, whether it's 
software, books, media, physical goods you buy, they're, they're all, even if you buy a camera, it's all governed under a licensing regime at the end of the day. And like crypto is one of the last places where you can actually own something. Yes. And we're having a ton of fun with a new kind of experience with ownership with NFT chat stickers. So we want we launched Dialect in in late December uh, with a dozen of our favorite one of one artists and a handful of PFP projects doing chat like NFT chat stickers with us. And since then, the interest has exploded. So we're now working with hundreds of artists across many of the major PFP projects. A lot of our favorite one of one artists. The Dialect team itself is is really quite embedded in in the the art and creator community, especially on Solana. And um, our users have gone completely nuts over this stuff. And so I think to date, we just turned on minting using this state compression tech. And I'll talk a little bit about why that's necessary for chat stickers. Turned this on a couple weeks ago, and I think our users have now minted over 100,000 chat stickers, and the number's only growing. We've only launched minting for maybe under 10, maybe 10 collections so far, but we are working with, I think, over 150 artists at this point. So this train has left the station, and it's this incredibly Love fun it. new experience. And the thing I, I, I hinted at a moment ago is we really do think NFTs as a technology really like take chat stickers to the next level. And just to give you a sense of the user journey, in Dialect, you claim these sticker packs that are almost like these little foil packs where the act of opening the foil pack mints a random set of stickers from the collection. And so that let's say the artist does 20 different stickers, you might get eight, 12, maybe 15 of them. And each sticker is a varying rarity. So we've created this whole new collector's experience in dialect around this first kind of collectible, which is chat stickers. And people are telling us they're like, this is the most fun I've had since, you know, whether it was like Pokemon or baseball cards, that kind of like, what did I get? And like, I want to collect and I want to build a whole collection around my favorite artists and whatnot. Um, that's something you can't really do in these Web2 experiences, or at least it hasn't been explored at all. And obviously, once it's like a true digital collectible, a true owned thing, an NFT, it really like the psychology is is just takes it to the whole a whole new level. Trading cards is another one of those like crypto memes, right? Like what the yes, oh, we'll use crypto for payments. Oh, we'll use crypto for mobile. Oh, crypto will be the ultimate trading cards. Um, why do you think that hasn't caught on yet? But like stickers obviously are getting a little, like you can see a glimmer of where we're almost ready for it to catch on. But as you're mentioning, this is like a, you know, if you include Fortnite skins, this is a multi-billion dollar business. It's an enormous problem space. And it's like and barely exists on crypto yet. I think to answer your question, I really think it, it it's exactly what you said um, at the beginning of this topic, which is it's a cost question. And this is why we use state compression. So just as an example, through this user journey, when users sign up for Dialect, uh, depending on kind of supply and, and what artist is being featured at a given time, some users are just dropped their first sticker pack and then they can open it and get those first NFTs. A lot of our users, I mentioned this earlier on the call, are either cousins or parents or kids of crypto natives, and they themselves maybe have never touched crypto in their lives. On iOS and on Google Play, for the vast majority of those users, we generate a key pair for you right on the spot, and there are no funds in that wallet. And by using state compression for these chat stickers, by using compressed NFTs, it allows Dialect to subsidize that first experience in crypto and that first experience in Web3 where I don't have to go through KYC and onboarding through an exchange or I don't have to connect my wallet and do some other stuff. I get to do this thing that's a really, really mature and honed experience in Web2, which is try before you buy. And so the abundance of chat stickers, we hmm. are working with artists across the whole spectrum here, where on one end, we've got these really, really premier one-of-one -one artists who are doing very limited, very exclusive sticker drops to their holders. But the end that we feel is genuinely new product and like psychology and consumer problem space and design space is on the end of extreme abundance, where an artist may actually release stickers where, let's say, of the 20 stickers in the collection... 
half of them have over a hundred thousand in total supply. And so everybody gets an opportunity to like try and collect and use. And there's artists who are interested in like, I want to be that next major, like memeable sort of like crying emoji or sobbing yeah. experience, like that kind of a thing. And so we're exploring this side of the, the equation that's all about abundance. And you can only do that when you have these kinds of orders of magnitude improvements in scale. And so we're giving that first sort of like first taste of true digital ownership where someone can kind of like follow a link from a friend that sent it to them, download it. They're just like kind of decompressing before bedtime and on their phone, they can kind of go through this whole thing, mint their first chat stickers, try them out with their friends in chat. And they haven't had to do like even a penny of, of onboarding, uh, like fiat onboarding or, or KYC. Yeah. So we see this, to answer your question, we see this as very much like our ability to subsidize and make this stuff vanishingly small in cost creates this massive kind of like collector's experience around massive supply and all of that. And it just wouldn't have been possible before state compression. Yeah, I love this. I love this thinking about the way these things work. Um, I do want to kind of ask about that journey, though, because we've seen... You know, very famously, there's the Polygon Reddit piece there. And if you look at, you know, initial on-chain activity, oh, what a huge success in bringing users to Polygon. Less than 0.1% from the data I've seen have tried anything else on the network because of it. So how do you sort of think about bringing people from, okay, I did a free NFT mint experience through compression on dialect into oh, I'm actually signing transactions and I'm paying for stuff myself and maybe I'm using, you know, some part of the DeFi ecosystem where I've bought my first NFT that actually costs money. But like, how do you think about navigating people through that? And also, do you think that's like part of Dialect's goal or is just this, is that sort of up to someone else to figure out? Yeah, I think it's on all of us. I think the race during this bear market is to create new experiences, new foundational primitives that will enable explosive adoption during the next bull run. And at Dialect, we have this incredibly high conviction that chat is the gateway to the next wave of crypto adoption. And there's a few reasons why we believe that's true. And we also think there's some things, as I've been mentioning earlier, that make messaging and chat in Web3 fundamentally different than it is in Web2. And part of that is ownable, truly, like, digital ownership around collectibles that are social and fun. And yes, it's like a fantastic growth tactic for us. But to answer your question around why do people stay around and what do they do next, we see that as or one one primitive that we're building with is the smart message to make that possible. So let's say I'm brand new to crypto, my brother, my sister, my cousin invites me in and they get me into dialect and I have my first chat stickers and I actually see, you know what? I got like five of the 20 that I really like, but that my friend has the one I really, really want. <laughs> um, and so I say, you know what? I'll give you this one for that one. And we execute a smart message offer right in the chat. And I get like, our users are already doing this today. We turned this feature on a couple days ago. And then I say, okay, this is really cool. I'm understanding what it means to sign a transaction and transfer. And then they say, you know what? Where I spend a lot of my time is on this DeFi site where I like earn really good yields or maybe I'm like doing a lot of trading on an NFT exchange. And with smart message integrations, they can actually sort of onboard me to these new experiences in a familiar and intuitive and social context where I can chat right with them. And so we think that yeah. with interoperability of Web3 powered by the smart message, together with that kind of social context around chat, we really think that this is how users start to learn about the whole ecosystem and really like stay stick around and, and sort of like become convinced over time of the power of Web3. And so we are working with dozens of projects on smart message integrations. A lot of them are going to be coming online in the coming weeks and over the next quarter. And it's really about bringing Web3 into chat. And I think that that's necessary, one, to prove the power of the interoperability of Web3, but also just sort of like expose users to the great things that can be done in crypto. Yeah, that's super interesting. That's kind of like a, I like that paradigm for how this stuff evolves into the future too, that like... Signing transactions doesn't have to be something that occurs outside of this app, and you can sort of train people inside of it, and then sort of a very AOL model. 
It's the beauty of interoperability for sure. And then it all, in our attitude, this all has to be on mobile. Like there will absolutely be a desktop dialect experience. And we have like a rich set of tools and infrastructure around that historically. But mobile is where I am going to be able to engage with my normie friends and, and really help them try things out right at their fingertips. I guess the only other thing I kind of wanted to see if you had any thoughts on are Solana is not the only ecosystem that's now got major mobile pushes and initiatives. Celo has been doing this for a little while. Uh, Polygon had um, some integration work they were looking to do with nothing on their another phone manufacturer. Uh, funny name. What do you think is the reason that we're seeing this come up now? Is it is it social? Is it technology? Is it a, an evolution of the way people in crypto are thinking about products? I think the answer here might be two part. Let me let me try this out. There is obviously inherently because of Web3's interoperability, there is this importance of standards and the Chrome extension as the way you authenticate and do things in crypto, the wallet API, like what kinds of functions the wallet responds to and whatnot is a evolving, but very kind of like universally accepted standard for how you interact with the Web3 internet. And that has been a many years effort and a lot of hard work. I know the Solana Labs and folks such as Jordan Sexton have been designing the wallet standard, which is now actually agnostic to Solana. It really is just like this is from our best learnings over years of work. Um, what, how should I be able to interact with the wallet? I think there's like only so much we can do. Here's like designing tech that is ex- like results like designing tech and infrastructure and APIs that results very, very, very literally and tangibly into a user experience. And as we get things right or wrong, we get great or horrible user experiences. And I think that's such a, a hard design challenge that we're just beginning to sort of free ourselves up as that matures, like sort of the Chrome extension wallet API, we're just beginning to enter the territory where we now have like the mental capacity and bandwidth to really think through really deep design work on what a mobile crypto experience can be. So I look at the effort of the Solana mobile team, um, building the Solana mobile stack, building Saga. And this is also like kind of a deep hardware and software relationship. That is a really intense and very thoughtful and deep design effort. And I know it's actually also very closely related to the wallet standard itself. I think the wallet standard yes. that Solana um, has been working on is obviously fully compatible with that, with that and mobile wallet adapter. And so I think it's really just sort of like what's on the frontier? What is the thing that's consuming your your sort of mental cycles around good user experience? And I think we've really only just sort of like opened up the budget in our design problem space to, to think through this. I also think it's like if you look at the waves of what has been explosively successful during the previous crypto runs, um, like DeFi summer, I mean, it's ancient history by crypto standards, but it wasn't that long ago. And so there's just been kind of like a buildup of adopting and onboarding users who are interested in the kinds of problems that we're talking about. And as you get into mobile, it needs to be like more about like coming back to this thing about state compression. It needs to be more about abundance and kind of consumer experiences, all that. So I think this is kind of like coalescing. We're feeling out this frontier problem space and just beginning to see the demand and the need and the potential for mobile. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Austin, thank you very much for having us. It's our pleasure. Validated is produced by Ray Belli with help from Ross Cohen, Brandon Ector, Amira Valiani, and Ainsley Medford. Engineering by Tyler Morissette.